Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Well, good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of Luke's English Podcast. Now, this episode is uh, basically just a continuation of the mystery story, which you listened to last time, uh, as I'm sure you'll remember in that last episode Something strange happened to me down by the river a couple of nights ago involving a strange green arm stretching out from the water to grab my leg. But I was saved by a mysterious man called the Doctor who appeared and disappeared um, extremely quickly and left no trace behind at all. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the continuation of that story. There is a tape script available for the entire episode And if you go to teacherluke.podomatic.com, you'll be able to read that transcript of the story. And my recommendation for how you should use this podcast to improve your English. Well, let me just tell you a couple of things about how to use it, right? What you should be thinking when you listen to this is that this podcast includes lots of really descriptive language. So you can learn how to describe people or places or describe feelings, some, uh, some really good examples of complex sentences and narrative tenses, which will help you to notice the different grammatical patterns that we use when we uh, kind of speak English, um, clear pronunciation in a couple of slightly different accents. And if you listen to that and focus on that, it'll help you to uh, raise your awareness of connected speech and intonation and the way words get joined up together. And as well, there's like a few little bits of cultural information about London's heritage, which just sort of allows you to learn a bit more about the culture of the language. All right. So um, the way that I recommend that you use this podcast is first, just listen to the podcast and just follow the story. Right. Just try and follow what's happening in the story. That's it. Second, listen to it again uh, and try to pick up language. And you can use the tape script then, if you like. You can go through the tape script, just underline words or write words or expressions down that you you like or something. Third, uh, listen to it again, but focus on the pronunciation of it. So use the tape script and listen and copy sentences from the story. So pause it, copy the sentence, try and make it sound exactly the same. Okay, and then fourth, you should actually record yourself telling the story with a script and try to make it sound really interesting and alive and funny. Then listen to yourself. Even though that might be really horrible, you should try and just listen to yourself and then do it again. And this time focus on the kind of weak points from the previous time. And that will make you improve more quickly and develop an instinct for the structure of the language, right? Which helps you to make quick decisions about what's right and wrong in English. 
really, there's no other way to do it, really. Exposure to natural English is very important in learning the language. So that's what you can do with this story, okay? So listen to it, try doing those things that I've suggested, but mainly enjoy the story. Here it is. When I arrived home that night, I immediately wrote everything that had happened into my diary. I could make a great podcast out of this, I thought to myself. The next day, I told my friend what had happened. I know just the person who can help you, he said. There's a man who lives in Baker Street, in the centre of London, he said. Yeah, I know where Baker Street is. It's quite a famous street, you know. Yes, anyway, this man is the best detective in London. He's the most brilliant mind there is. The police have to use him to solve all their crimes. And some say that even the Queen asks him for help when she's lost her TV remote control down the back of the sofa. You should go and visit him. I'm sure he'll be able to help you. I took the address and immediately went to Baker Street on the underground. I took the Piccadilly line from Hammersmith and changed at Green Park Station. But the Jubilee line was closed, so I had to get back on the Piccadilly line and then change at Leicester Square onto the Northern line. But that was delayed due to engineering works and a signal failure at Waterloo Station. But finally, after an hour and a half on the underground, I arrived at Baker Street. I found the address, flat number 21B, and knocked on the door. An elderly woman answered. Yes, she said. Um, hello, I'm here to get some help. Uh, A friend told me to come. All right, come in then. We walked through into the hallway. I could smell pipe tobacco and what sounded like a cat being murdered in the next room. Then I realised it was a violin being played very badly. The woman knocked on the door of the front room and the violin stopped playing. There's a man here to see you. Yes, yes, I know, said a loud, commanding voice from inside the room. Show him in, Mrs Hudson, thank you. Mrs Hudson stepped aside and I walked into the room. I immediately felt nervous and awkward. There, standing at the fireplace, was a very unique-looking man. He was tall and thin and old. I'm not sure how old he was exactly. His hair was going grey and his skin was wrinkled, but his eyes were bright and youthful. He could have been as old as 80, but he had the spirit of a much younger man. He was wearing a brown suit with a waistcoat and long leather winter boots. In his hand, he was holding a Stradivarius violin of very fine quality. On the mantelpiece next to him was a smoking pipe. Um... My friend Smith recommended you. Um, He said that you'd be able to assist me, I said. Smith? Hmm, said the man. And? Oh, and, uh, and well, the the thing is, uh, I need your help. It's... Well, what do you think, Watson? Said the man quickly. And only then did I realise that there was a third person in the room. To my right, in a dark leather armchair, there was a red-faced man, probably about 65 years old. He had a large, brownish-red moustache, which covered his top lip. In his hand was a large glass of brandy, and in his other hand, a cigarette. He seemed very comfortable, 
as if he'd just woken up from a lovely sleep by the fire. Huh? Oh, uh, hello. How do you do? He said, smiling at me and yawning. What do you think, Watson? Snapped the man with the violin. Oh, um, a student, uh, perhaps a waiter. Um, ah, an unemployed librarian. No, 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 Watson, completely wrong. Don't overcomplicate matters. Now, let me try. I stood there feeling confused. The tall man looked at me. Your name is Thompson, am I right? Well, how on earth did you guess that? Not a guess, Mr. Thompson. Not a guess. Allow me to demonstrate something for you, if I may. I stood in silence. I was in the presence of a great mind. I could understand that now. Let me see. He looked me up and down for a second. I would say that you are an English teacher of no more than ten years' experience, but no less than five. Let's say eight and a half years. I was gobsmacked. You worked in the Far East, didn't you? In Japan? Yes, yes I did. Kanagawa Prefecture? Oh my God, yes. Now I suppose something happened to you near the river which you don't understand and you need answers. So your friend told you to come and see me so I could sort it all out for you. Is that right? Oh my God, how did you know? It must be magic or a trick. All right, I'll tell you, he said with a bored look on his face. Using simple empirical methods of observation and deduction, the truth will almost always reveal itself to you as the most reasonable answer. You just look at the evidence and think logically. Usually the simple answer is the best. Would you like a cup of tea? He might take a while. It was Mrs. Hudson. Um, oh yes, uh, two sugars please. The man continued. One simple look at your hands revealed your occupation. Your nails are badly chewed and damaged. This must be due to stress. A common problem for any teacher, but especially one that has to deal with demanding students from different countries who all want to know about the difference between all the past perfect continuous passive conditional verb tenses and adjectival noun phrases and reduced non-defining relative participle clauses and such matters. I looked at my fingers. He was right. The nails were a terrible mess. I saw also that your hands are very dirty with blue and red ink. This must be from using whiteboard marker pens. You write on the board and in your haste you make a mistake and then quickly rub it off with your hand, hoping that no one notices. Um, yes, that, that's true. That's the evidence which told me that you must be an English teacher. Wow, I said. Yes, that and the fact that you're holding a copy of New Headway Upper Intermediate Teacher's Book by Liz and John Saws, which kind of gave it away. Oh, and, and Watson Googled you before you arrived. But, but anyway, on your face, I noticed wrinkles around your mouth and eyes. This is from smiling all the time to keep your students happy, is it not? Yep, well done. Right again, I said, sipping my tea, getting a little impatient. Um, sorry, but... Could you hurry up a bit? It's just that this is going to be a really long podcast and I, I don't want anyone to stop listening. Yes, yes. I counted the wrinkles on your face and estimated that since graduating from university, you have been smiling at students for exactly 8.5 years. Simple. Count the wrinkles on the face, divide by five, 
the average teaching hours per day. And the result? 8.5 years. Yeah, fair enough, I said. And when you entered the room, you bowed slightly. This must be body language which you picked up while living in Japan. Yep, well done. Very good. I was getting annoyed and impatient. I gulped down my sugary tea. Okay, you've convinced me you're a brilliant detective. Now, will you help me out, please, Mr... It's Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. And this is my companion, Dr. Watson. Wow, it really is Sherlock Holmes, I thought. I've read so much about him, but I never thought he was real. And his faithful companion, Dr. Watson. Fantastic. I looked again at Watson. He was fast asleep in his chair. Wake up, Watson, shouted Holmes, throwing a chess piece at him. It bounced off Watson's head, and he woke up suddenly and smiled at me sleepily. So, how can we help you then, Mr. Simpson? It's Thompson, you fool, shouted Holmes quickly, and we must hurry to the riverside in Hammersmith immediately. There's another mystery to solve. Come, Watson. How did you know it was Hammersmith? Oh, never mind, said Holmes. The three of us jumped in a cab on Baker Street and drove to Hammersmith Bridge. On the way there, I told Holmes about how I'd sat down by the river the night before, how it had been a full moon, how a green monster had nearly grabbed me, how I'd heard weird noises and seen a strange blue light, and how I'd been saved by a mysterious man called the Doctor. When we arrived, I took Holmes and Watson to the spot where everything had happened. A cold chill ran down my spine as I remembered it all again. This is where it happened, Mr. Holmes, I said. Excellent, said Holmes, a magical light shining in his eyes. Stand back, I shall investigate the area. He always does this, said Watson. He'll be busy for an hour or two, I reckon. Holmes was bent over, studying the ground next to the river with a magnifying glass. Occasionally he stopped suddenly and picked something up and placed it carefully in his pocket. He walked close to the water and looked in. He looked up at the sky and down at the river again. He sniffed the air with his big nose. He picked up a stone and dropped it into the water and then went back to look at the steps where I had been sitting the night before. Watson yawned and said to me, There's a a pub over there. Fancy a pint while Holmes does his investigation stuff? Watson pointed at a pub called the Black Lion. Um, all right, yeah, why not? I replied. We're just off for a pint in that pub, shouted Watson. Hmm, said Holmes, as he studied some markings on the ground. Watson and I sat in the pub and made small talk. So, uh, you're a doctor, are you? Yes, that's right. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, it's all right, I suppose. Most of the time I just hang out with Holmes, to be honest. Do a bit of writing, that sort of thing. It's pretty boring, really. I like a quiet life, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, The man I met last night said he was a doctor. You don't know who he is, do you? A doctor? Doctor who? I don't know. He didn't say his name. He just said, You can call me the doctor. And then he disappeared. It's really annoying. Just then, Holmes burst into the room. 
Come with me, Watson. We must walk up the riverbank and investigate the mud near the sewage outlet for evidence. Um, do we have to? I mean, why don't we just stay here in the pub and you go and look in the mud near the sewage outlet? How about that? said Watson, sipping another pint of beer and warming his feet by the fire. Oh, Watson, you stay here then if you must. Your love of the local Chiswick Ale will be the end of you. Thompson, what about you? Fancy getting up to your knees in mud? Um, I I think I'll stay here with Watson, actually, if that's all right. Fine, stay here, both of you. I shall return within one hour. 59 minutes and 59 seconds later, Holmes returned. His leather boots were covered in brown mud, and he had a grim look on his face. He suddenly looked much older and tired. I was a little bit worried about him. We took a cab back to Baker Street, and Holmes remained quiet and moody for the whole journey. I stared out of the window and dreamed about the present perfect continuous passive tense. Watson fell asleep. When we got in, Mrs Hudson brought us some cake, and Watson opened the drinks cabinet. Brandy, anyone? he said, pouring himself a large glass. Holmes ignored him and sat in his chair, smoking his pipe. For what felt like two hours, Watson drank brandy and nodded off by the fire, while Holmes sat silently in the chair, surrounded by clouds of his own smoke, his face tight with concentration. The sun went down and Holmes stayed in the chair, and his pipe smoke stretched outwards across the room, running along the ground and wrapping itself around my legs like claws. The moon shone in through the window, and I began to fall asleep. Suddenly, Holmes jumped out of his chair, a young man again. The room seemed brighter. Thompson, I have solved your mystery, shouted Holmes confidently. Wow, that was quick, I said, looking over at Watson. He was fast asleep. Holmes proceeded to walk around the room, rubbing his hands and laughing to himself. So, what's it all about? I asked impatiently. I have read about cases such as this before, Thompson, and I have been very much looking forward to having the opportunity of working on one myself. And this doctor of yours... Well, I never thought I'd be lucky enough to... To what? I asked. Just tell me what's going on, please. This is going to be such a long podcast, and I'm, I'm really worried that all my listeners will be really bored, and they'll stop listening, and, and there's not enough pedagogical content, and... Enough! shouted Holmes. I will explain everything. You would be wise to listen carefully. I have looked at the evidence which has been presented to me. There wasn't much, but there was enough. First, you told me that this happened near the river. Inspection of the riverbank revealed several things to me. I discovered some vital clues. I found two green hairs which must have come from the monster which you talked about. I checked the hairs, and they perfectly match hairs which have been discovered near the Thames before. They are hairs from a Lunaris Goblomanus, a moon goblin. Yes, I already know that. What the hell is a moon goblin? Oh, uh, it's a monster which lives in the water and which comes out when there's a full moon to eat people. Um, They worship the moon, and, and, and some people say that they are aliens 
which uh, once lived on the moon, but they, they escaped to Earth millions of years ago when the moon lost its atmosphere. Oh, right. Wow, I, I never knew about that. How did they uh, travel to Earth through space? Oh, um, well, they're actually robots. Robots? What do you mean? Oh, never mind. It, it's too difficult to explain. Yep, it, it's true. There's loads of them in the Thames. They're, they're responsible for a lot of stuff, actually. The Queen knows all about it. Uh, so does the Prime Minister. They do? Yeah. Anyway, when I investigated the mud up the river, I noticed there were lots of goblin footprints. They're very active. In fact, there's many more of them than I first thought. I will have to tell Her Majesty all about it. She will want to know. I'm sure she will. Anyway, what about this doctor guy? Oh, yes. While you and Watson were having such a lovely time in the pub, I inspected the area near where you were sitting last night. I found some very interesting scratches on the ground. They were blue scratches. They must have been caused by something very heavy, blue in colour and square in shape. What, like a big blue box? I said. Exactly, Thompson, exactly. I estimate that it was similar in size to a telephone box. It must have been there for a moment, and then it moved away quickly. So you're telling me there was a big blue telephone box there one minute, and then the next minute it was gone? Precisely. I also found some footprints near where the box had been. Those must have been the footprints of your doctor. The size of the feet matched the description you gave me. I also found this lying on the ground, near where the blue telephone box had been. He showed me a silver ticket. It was a concert ticket, made of an amazing shiny material. It said, Prince Michael Jackson II, live in concert, Wembley Arena, September the 16th, 2021. Oh my God, Prince Michael II? That's Michael Jackson's son. But how is this possible? How can the Doctor have a ticket for a concert from the future? Let me explain. Look at the evidence. The goblins from space. The blue telephone box. The strange sound. The blue flash of light. The man who called himself the Doctor who appeared and disappeared out of nowhere. The thing he pointed at that goblin. The special knowledge he had about moon goblins. The ticket from the future. It all means one thing. Well, what? What does it mean? I demanded. Holmes stared at me with dark eyes. Watson snored in the corner of the room. There is no other answer. The doctor you told me about, well, he must be a Time Lord. What? Is that your answer? What the hell is a Time Lord? I asked him. Holmes stood up and said, if you want to find out, then you'll have to listen to the next episode of Luke's English Podcast. <sighs> I sighed with frustration. Don't worry, Thompson, said Holmes. I know an expert on Time Lords, and he will tell you everything he knows about the Doctor. Just wait for the next episode of the podcast, and you'll learn everything. I left 21B Baker Street, wishing I had never gone there in the first place. Holmes wasn't quite the brilliant man I thought he was, but I was still determined to get to the bottom of this mystery. I had managed to get some answers. The Doctor was a Time Lord who travelled around through space and time 
in a blue telephone box. That explained the strange light, the sound, and how the doctor appeared and disappeared so quickly. But who was he really? Where had he come from? And, and what on earth was going on? The address of the Time Lord expert in my hand, I jumped on a number 27 bus towards Hammersmith, desperately hoping to get some final answers to this mystery, and silently hoping that none of my listeners got really bored with this stupid Sherlock Holmes story and stopped listening and decided to unsubscribe from Luke's English podcast because it's gone a bit strange. And where are the phrasal verbs and idiomatic expressions that he said he would teach us? I decided I had to end this mystery as soon as possible. And then I could go back to teaching useful expressions and pronunciation. But before that, I was determined to find out about Time Lords and the Doctor. I arrived at the address and went inside to meet the Time Lord expert who Holmes had recommended. That's the end of uh, this episode of Luke's English Podcast. I hope you uh, enjoyed the story. Um, if you want to find out all the answers, just listen in to the next episode of Luke's English Podcast, in which I'll tell you all about Doctor Who and Time Lords and all of this crazy stuff that I've been talking about in the last couple of podcasts. Okay, so stay tuned. Watch this space for more information. That's it for this one. Bye, 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 bye. Luke's English Podcast was brought to you by www.teacherluke.podomatic.com. For more information, visit the site or you can email Luke at luketeacher at hotmail.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.